I like that song. If you've had an opportunity to come and sit in my office and have a conversation with me, and if it was of the more, uh, let's say, emotional nature, maybe there was something going on in your life, maybe uh, you had to bring something up, maybe you were really upset, maybe you weren't so upset, but you were thinking maybe there is something going on, there was a good chance that at some point I turned my computer screen to you because the background of my computer screen is something called a feelings wheel. And I used to have it printed out. But what would happen is people would start crying and all the page would smudge. And so I decided, you know what, printing it out is not going to work. So I just keep it on the background of my computer. Because one of the things I've realized, and I realized this, I think it was through a spiritual director I had who first showed it to me, was that most of us aren't really in touch with our emotions. Most of us, we can get to a surface level of what we're feeling, but we don't really know how to communicate what's really going on underneath the surface. And so what this feelings wheel does is it helps us get to what's below the surface. And it goes in in concentric circles. It starts off very simply. So like it'll start off with things like, are you happy? Right? So we can say, I'm happy. Or are we sad? Or are we disgusted? Or are we angry? Or are we fearful? Or are we bored or bad? Or are we surprised? And so a lot of us, these are very basic emotional responses that we have to things. So we go, yeah, that's, that's it. I feel bad right now. So sometimes our conversation would start and you'd say, I just feel sad. I just feel sad. How many of us have ever just felt like that? I just feel sad. But a lot of us don't have the words to really communicate that. So sometimes what happens is we gravitate towards maybe music that says it in such a way that we relate to and go, wow, that song is speaking to me right now. Or maybe a story we read, or a character in a movie, we go, yeah, that's me right now. Because we don't really have the words to describe what we're feeling. But we go deeper in them. So like in the feelings wheel, what you have is, so if you had it at angry, you go deeper and you go, well, do you feel let down or humiliated, bitter, mad, aggressive, frustrated, distant, critical? Or we go into fearful and we go, are you scared, anxious, insecure, weak, rejected, threatened? And it goes on and on for each of these categories. And so you try to get deeper. And so like usually the practice that I would have if we were sitting together is I would ask you questions and try to get a little deeper and go, okay, what's really going on with this feeling? And eventually you get so deep, we go back to that last slide, that there's a whole other layer that you can't see because it's such tiny print. But you get really deep and you go, okay, Maybe my sadness is that I am lonely. And maybe I'm lonely because I feel neglected or I feel abandoned. And you start to get to those feelings and try to understand what's really going on. And so it's been a really helpful tool for me because sometimes we can relate to a song and go, yeah, that's what I'm saying, this is what I'm feeling, but we don't have the words for it. So sometimes it's helpful to find the words to express it. And so this is a a more modern tool that's fairly helpful for doing that and is great to use for kids. If you have kids, you can try to help them understand what they're feeling better because sometimes, especially children, they can't get past those basic I'm sad or I'm mad kind of words. Try to get to really what's going on because we need help sometimes. We need help to really understand what we're feeling and what's going on inside of us. And for centuries, they didn't have this. For millennia, they didn't have this. In fact, they didn't even have top 40 music that you could listen to and say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Taylor Swift totally gets me. But what they did have for millennia 
is the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in our Old Testament, if we're we're from a Hebrew tradition in our Hebrew Bible, expresses a wide range of emotions. Emotions that some of us might not be very comfortable tapping into all the time, but they are emotions that we need to understand. And they're used in such a way that they're used to express what people are really feeling with God. For millennia, the book of Psalms was the either prayer book or song book of the church. Meaning, instead of singing those great songs we sang before, you would sing a song. And you'd sing all the psalms. Because there are a wide range of emotions that we all experience with God. The psalms are not to be thought of as a prescriptive statement that God makes saying this is what you should do, but they're a description of what people are going through and how they experience life and life with God or feeling like God is absent. So sometimes they're exuberant and happy and they're great joy. That first song we sang this morning, Better is One Day in Your Courts, is rooted in the Psalms. It's a psalm of praise, but sometimes the Psalms aren't praises. They're actually what's called a lament. And for the summer, we're going to spend some time lamenting. I know you're excited about that. I figured, what better time than the summer to get really, really depressed at church, right? But that's not the purpose of the lament. A lament is meant to help us deal with the emotions that we all experience, but don't have the words to express it. A lament is there to help us understand where God is in our sadness, in our anger, in our abandonment, in our frustration, in our loneliness, in our desire that's unfulfilled. God inspired people long ago to write these, to write these as dialogues or prayers, because we still need them today. Like I said, many of us struggle with our emotions Thankfully to God, he's inspired people through history to connect with them and to see him through them. And so this morning, we're starting this series, which I regretfully call summertime sadness, because I hate when people make up words, but Julian convinced me of this. So if you hate when people make up words, it's Julian's fault. Thanks, Julian. I see you up there. But the idea is that sometimes we need to get in touch with our emotions. And so that's what we're going to try to do this summer. And we're going to do that by looking at the Psalms of Lament. Lament Psalms in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, are usually in two categories. One was a corporate lament, so it's like meant for the church to sing together. Like there are Psalms where like, hey, we're all sad right now. And some are personal laments, where it's like, I'm just feeling this right now. And some are a little bit of both. And this morning, the one that we have is actually one that's debatable. Some people think it's a both one, but some people think it's a very personal one. And it's a psalm that many of us might be familiar with because it gets directly quoted in the New Testament by Jesus. And so we're going to be spending some time, and we're going to look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22, to me, is kind of the prototype of a lament psalm. There are some that deviate from this in different ways, but it kind of sets us up to understand what happens with lament and maybe gives us some insight on what do we do when we feel this way today. And so as I said, Psalm 22, that is quoted by Jesus when he's on the cross. We might be very familiar with it. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
It's a direct quote, the first line of the psalm. And most people have come to understand that in the Hebrew tradition that Jesus was in, when you quote that first line, you're reciting the whole thing. You're trying to draw attention to the whole psalm. And so it's not just about that first line. It's about everything that comes up through it. And so Jesus is quoting this psalm from the cross. Now, before we get into Jesus, I never want to ignore Jesus. That's the most important thing. But we also need to really understand why was it written in the first place? Before Jesus, was this written for Jesus? Or was this written by someone who had something that they were feeling they needed to express? And what we know from the psalm is that it's written in a certain style, and we were attributing it to King David. King David, most of us have some familiarity with him if we've been around church for a while. Maybe some of us, he's pretty new. But he is known as the one after God's own heart. He was never perfect. He made lots of huge mistakes, but he was often repentant, which made him the one after God's own heart. Through David's line, there was a promise of the Messiah to come, who is Jesus. But David had a well of emotions that he draws on, and he wrote many of the Psalms. One of the most unique things I find about this Psalm is that we don't know when he wrote it. A lot of the Psalms will have like kind of pictures in them, and you understand this is what was going on in somebody's life and why they wrote it. But this one, there's no indication of any events going on. If we know the story of King David, we know that at one point, his father figure mentor, King Saul, wanted to kill him. And then at another point, his son wanted to kill him. Seems like everybody in between wanted to kill him too. They know that there was a point where he committed adultery, had someone's husband killed, and he was confronted by a prophet Nathan. And there are some psalms in response to that. But none of that is going on in this psalm. And I don't know if it's proper, I don't know if it's correct, but for me, I almost imagine like David's just having a really bad day and he's going to write this psalm out. David's just like you and me going through it. And he has to express this. There's some kind of inner turmoil going on for David that he had to express these words that we're going to read. But before we get to reading, let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you uh, for the privilege and gift it is to be here this morning. I thank you for how you uh, speak to each of us in our own unique way, but you also speak universally to all of us through your words in Scripture. I pray this morning as we begin this series, as we look at how you inspired uh, the authors of Psalms to deal with their emotions, how to process through them, that we can reflect on how we feel ourselves, and we can reflect on what may be going, is going on inside of us that we don't know how to say. Lord, help us to be in touch with who you made us to be. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we look at these words, maybe they are words that can speak to us right now where we are. But help us not to stay where we are, but to move where you call us to. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 22 starts like this. As I've said, this is the words that Jesus quotes directly from the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. My God, my God, why did you abandon me? Have you ever felt abandoned by God? 
Have you ever felt in a moment where you're like, why is God not responding? If you say no, I'm going to not believe you. Because most of us go through experiences in life, whether it's in our own personal life where we are experiencing something ourselves or someone around us who we love is experiencing something, where we can grow to question, why is God not doing what I want him to do? Why is God not healing this person? Why is God not helping me with this heartbreak? Why is God not stepping into my financial struggle? It becomes very easy to ask this question, why God? And kind of point going, why aren't you stepping up? Why weren't you there? As I said, we don't know what exactly David is going through in this moment, but whatever he's going through, I think many of us can relate to it. And so this psalm almost kind of functions like a dialogue that he's having. And so he starts with this, saying, where are you, God? Why aren't you here? Why did you give up on me? Why are you not listening? And he responds, he goes, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. So as he starts out with the, this is my problem, I feel like you've abandoned me, he goes, but I'm remembering. I'm remembering the stories I've been told. I'm remembering that you were there for people, that you rescued people, that you responded to these cries in the past. You weren't always absent. And so this dialogue is going from these are this is what I feel to this is what I know. And sometimes we have those internal dialogues, I think, at least I do, where I might be feeling something in a moment where I feel like, why are these people against me? Or why did that person purposely cut me off in traffic? To goes to, what do I know? That person doesn't really care about me in traffic. They're just trying to get where they're going. But sometimes I can take what's going on and make it all personal and go, this is what I feel. David's doing that. He's saying, this is what I feel, but this is what I know. And just like us, sometimes we have these internal dialogues, but we don't always listen to it. And he goes, verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And so just as he says, I can remember these things, but this is how I feel, right? Sometimes our feelings are so strong, our emotions are so prominent, it's hard to silence them. And we feel overwhelmed by them. We feel like there's something boiling up inside of us, and we don't know what to do with it. And as David is expressing this, saying, God, you you feel so distant from me. You know, they call me the one after God's own heart. Like, that's a pretty important title, God. Why are you abandoning me? Well, I know that you didn't always abandon people, but this is how I feel. I'm a worm and not a man. You don't care about me. Now, if you were here last week, we saw that God does care about worms from the book of Jonah. But what he's feeling in this moment is there's there's nothing. And he comes back, he says, Yet, you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth... I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. 
So he goes from, this is how I feel, this is what I know from experience and history, to, but I still really feel like this, but also, you know, I've been with you for a really long time. I've been faithful. Sometimes we have these dialogues with God, I think. At least I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are way more mature than I am. But sometimes I have these dialogues with God where I'm frustrated with God. And I say, but God, look at all I've done. I've been here with you for so long. Why can't you just give me the answer I'm looking for? Why can't you just do that thing I've asked? Why can't you just respond? It's a very normal and natural emotion. And so David is starting his lament, wondering where God has gone, why he's not responding. Even though he can remind himself, I know you were faithful in the past, to go, but this is how I feel. And to go, well, I've always been there. Why did you abandon me? If you've never felt like that, God bless you. That's amazing. I hope you never feel like that. If you have, you're in good company because it's all over Scripture. Most people feel like that at some point. But the psalm doesn't end there. He continues. He says, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. So another plea to go, help me. And he says, many bulls surround me. This is what it feels like, he's saying. That many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt, pot shirt. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me In the dust of death, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. The beauty of this is how prophetic it is to the events of Christ's death and resurrection. That this is what happened. As they surrounded him, they pierced him, they divided up his clothes. And so as he too quoted this psalm of David, this lament, he was pointing to what he was about to do. But David, as he writes this, does he have Jesus in mind? Maybe. I don't know. He's inspired by God to write it. He's inspired by what he's experiencing to put it on pen to paper and say, this is what's going on. This song for the church. And as he writes this, he's saying, look, this is what it's like. It feels like everybody's against me. It feels like nobody loves me. It feels like a bunch of wild dogs are circling me. It feels like bulls are surrounding me. He's expressing with the words he can what this feels like, what this abandonment from God feels like. The fact that God is not answering him in that moment is like this. It's like this extreme pain. He didn't have a feelings wheel. So he talked about animals circling him. He talked about people wanting to hurt him. But he's trying to get to the core of what's going on. And so David, as he's expressing what he feels, what internally is going on, whatever's brought it about, he's saying, God, where are you? Don't make me be alone in this. 
Don't make me be alone. Again, I don't know how many of you have ever felt that. But it's not fun to feel like you're just alone, that even God is not with you. And here's where it takes an interesting turn. So David, as he's been processing through it, he brings his lament. He brings, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? Why are you letting this happen to me? And he reminds himself, but I know you were faithful to people in the past. But he comes back up with, well, I feel like I'm a worm and not a man. And he comes back up, but I've been faithful for so long. And he says, like, this feels like I'm about to be attacked, like everybody's against me. And then he draws into, well, what do we do about this? He's processing through his feelings, trying to go, what, what do we do about this? And he says this, verse 22. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. From dominion belongs, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who not, cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. We have the privilege of reading through this through the lens of the New Testament, understanding that when Jesus quoted this, this is what he was pointing to. He has done it. He has died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can experience life in all of its fullness. That is the beauty and the power of the resurrection of Jesus. That in the midst of what we suffer through and what we struggle, we can still find a reason to praise that God has done something greater than we could imagine. Even though it's not easy to see that. As we looked at the story of Jonah last week, we saw how he got upset when anything harmed him or didn't go the way he wanted to, but he didn't realize how good God had been being to him. It's a reminder for us as well. What David does in the psalm is he follows a pattern of this is what I feel. This is what's going on. And he's very honest and open about it. In his prayer, which is a prayer for the church, a song for the church, it's to express what is really inside of him. He feels abandoned. He feels like God's not there for him anymore. He reminds himself even though that is what he feels, he knows the story of his people. He knows his own story that God was there but doesn't change how he feels. He still feels like a worm. He feels like God has left him, like a pack of animals are trying to kill him. So he doesn't change how he feels. He shifts how he acts, and he chooses to praise. He acknowledges that his feelings are what he feels, his anger, his frustration at God, because God has abandoned him, 
his deep sadness of feeling alone, like no one is listening and everyone's out to get him. But he shifts how he acts and he says, but I will praise and I will invite others to praise. And in fact, future generations are going to hear about this. Sometimes when we feel something, we get so into our feeling that it's all-consuming. As someone who struggles regularly with depression, I know what this is like because when you get inside yourself, it's easy to not see anything else. When you get inside of what you feel in that moment, it's all-consuming. David was being all-consumed by his abandonment, his feeling, but he pushed himself to go, but still, this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes when our emotions overwhelm us, we need to push ourselves and go, but still, this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't say don't feel the way you feel. It doesn't negate the feeling. It doesn't say, oh, this is not good. This is not right. It's not right for you to say to God, look how mad I am or look how sad I am. That's not at all what Scripture says. In fact, it invites us to share our emotions with God, to express what's really going on. David uses vivid language about feeling like he's being attacked and people are going to stab him. What kind of language are we using to express what we feel to God? But David shifts his focus from what he feels to how he'll behave. And that's sometimes where we get lost. We forget what to do with our feelings. We just become so consumed by them that we let them dictate everything we do. When our feelings are in the driver's seat, they don't always go where we want to go. In the book uh, Made Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, they tell this uh, parable about an elephant and the rider. And I wasn't planning to talk about this, so I should have read it before I came here, but it just reminded me as I'm talking. But in this story, they talk about how our emotions are the elephant and the rider is our logic. So our logic goes, okay, this is where we need to go, but our emotions will go wherever they want to go. And when we let our emotions, the elephant, be in control without a rider, with logic, truth, backing us up, we're bound to trample other people. We're bound to destroy. Sometimes just ourselves. Because we're letting our emotions drive. What we feel isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with the elephant. But it needs a rider to direct it. Or else it could just destroy. We have to find something to bring us back, to ground us to make us aware that our feelings aren't permanent. They're just feelings. There's nothing wrong with them. They're good. They're healthy. But if we let them drive us, they will drive us off a cliff eventually. So what do you do in this particular case? David is speaking to God about how he feels his abandonment by God. If you've never felt like this, you can tune out now. That's okay. But if you ever do feel like this, what do you do when you feel like God abandoned you? How do you respond to it? Do you just go into your feelings and go, well, God's not there. Guess I'm not going to be either. How do you respond to feeling like God abandoned you? How do you respond to getting that phone call you didn't want to get about a loved one? How do you respond to losing your job and feeling like you've been faithful for so long, but God's not there? How do you respond to your marriage breaking up and going, but I was faithful for so long? Why isn't God here? These are normal, real feelings. Nothing wrong with how we feel, 
But we need to think about what we do next. If we let our feeling just drive us, we will quickly think nobody's here for us. We will quickly think everybody's out to get us. But sometimes we need to let logic, fact, truth direct our thoughts. So what do you do? Well, I think David models this for us. And the first thing that we do is we tell him. We tell God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, it feels like there's a pack of wild dogs trying to kill me. If he is not expressing how he feels, I don't know what he's doing. How often do you actually tell God what you're feeling towards him when it's not so nice? David models that God can handle it. God can take your emotions. God can take whatever's going on inside of you and listen and be there. Sometimes we just need to share what we're feeling, and God invites us to share what we're feeling. Maybe you feel like God has let you down. Maybe you feel like David did, but, you know, since a kid I've been going to church, why am I so abandoned now? God can take it. Tell him. Tell him what you feel. David models this for us for a reason, and that's why there are many psalms of lament. We're meant to express what we feel towards God. The second thing I think we can do is we can remind ourselves. Remind ourselves like David did, but I know you were faithful to Israel in the past. Even in the midst of our struggle of wondering why is this happening, remind yourself of the experiences you've had, not just personally, but maybe stories that have been told, the stories of Scripture, of how God has acted and been faithful. Bring up those reminders. It's something that comes up throughout the Old Testament as a reminder of how God has been faithful. It talks about how God has been faithful in creation. It talks about how God has been faithful in rescuing from slavery. There's a constant reminder in Scripture to the people, especially the Old Testament, remember what God did. Tell him how you feel, but remember how he's acted. What you feel right now might not be a fact. What you feel right now just might be a feeling based on your circumstances. The third thing is that, well, you have to fight your feelings with the facts. You've got to fight this desire to go, why is everybody against me? This is what I feel right now, to go, are they really against me? I'm sure if David took a moment and had a conversation with someone afterwards, he would say, I'm just expressing my emotions. There wasn't like a wild pack of dogs trying to kill me. But that's what it felt like in the moment. Sometimes we express that. Sometimes we think, maybe it's extreme, but we feel like everybody's against us, like nobody's there for us. We feel like God is not there for us. We've got to fight our feelings with the facts. Is that really true? Has God really abandoned you? What's the truth to that? How do you know that? There's lots of evidence to say, no, he didn't, because God doesn't abandon anyone. So how do you fight your feelings with the facts? And the third, the fourth thing is just to keep going. Sometimes you're going through stuff and you just have to keep going through it. David, as he writes the psalm, he says, this is going to be a message for future generations. That the suffering that he's experienced, that the abandonment that he feels is a message to future generations that God is still there. And it's going to be told. Sometimes the suffering that you experience, you might not be able to find an answer to. Sometimes suffering just happens. But the message is to keep going through it because it might tell a story for someone else. And it might be a story that somebody else needs to hear. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, keep going. David keeps going. There's a Winston Churchill quote that says, if you're going through hell, keep going. 
David, as he processes through, processes through what he's feeling in the moments of saying, God, why have you abandoned me? God, it feels like there's a pack of dogs trying to kill me. God, everybody's going to stab me. He keeps going and says, you know what? I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to change what I do right now, and I'm going to praise. When we feel something which is very real and very raw and sometimes very hurtful, it's hard to move past it. And no one's saying to ignore your feelings. Scripture isn't saying that at all either. But it is saying how you act about it can make a difference. For David, he models that how he acts is to put his trust back into God, to put his faith back into God and continue to acknowledge that God has acted in the past and he will act in the future. When we feel something, it's very easy for us to ignore that fact. We have to fight what we feel with the facts. God is faithful, and God is still with us. That God is preparing you for the good works that he has for you, because you are his masterpiece. That he's prepared these works, he's made you for them, and it's not done yet. Whatever you're going through right now, it's not the end of the story. Keep going. The lament teaches us to keep going. Be honest about what you feel, but don't give up. There's always a next page, another chapter, a new opportunity. Trust God in that. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are um, the God who invites us to keep going. You invite us to step into our reality, to be honest about what we feel, to not ignore it, to be in touch with our feelings in such a way that we can express them freely and openly to you. Because God, you made our emotions. You made our feelings. And you invite us to put them in their proper place in our lives to see them as a blessing even though they feel like a curse at times. Holy Spirit, I pray that whatever we may be going through, and I know the stories in this room are different for each of us. Wherever we may be going, help us to bring that story to you. Bring what we feel to you. To not be afraid when we feel angry towards you. To not be afraid when we feel abandoned. To express our sadness, our loneliness or hurt. But God, help us not to stay in our feelings. Help us to move through them, to heal where we need healing, to persevere where we need to persevere, and to find hope in you, most of all. God, you invite us into this relationship with you. Because, Jesus, you provided us this opportunity through your death and resurrection to be made whole again. And I pray that in finding our wholeness, we get in touch with what we feel in such a way that we realize that it can be used for worship, to direct ourselves and others to you, because you are worthy of our praise. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.